Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. This reversal is impossible. Dead man can't have faith, so God says, you know what? Okay, so I will help you even there. See, our stories as Christians turn on the amazing, sovereign grace of God. And for you, it may have been powerful. It may have been like some dream, or God may have spoken to you, or whatever, or it may have been the slow and quiet providence of growing up in church, and one day, after hearing verse after verse about the sovereign grace of God, He made you alive. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. different stories about how we came to saving faith. The undercurrent in all of them, though, is God's grace in showing us our need for Him, and then providing the faith necessary to receive His Son's salvation. The story of Esther is in many ways a foreshadowing of our own redemption, and Pastor Ricky will be teaching about how Esther and the exiled Jews' deliverance by God is a precursor to our own rescuing by God. He'll also teach us about God's being the final arbiter of justice. Let's join Pastor Ricky now as he concludes this message where the story turns. We act, but God is the one who turns the story. Now, this isn't diminishing Esther's heroic actions. We are, in many ways, meant to read what Esther does as heroic, as commendable, as something we should imitate. But ultimately, it takes the providence of God doing what only he can do to turn the story. And as soon as this happens, we see, well, we see the reversal begins. Verse 5 says this, And the king's young men told him, Oh, Haman is there, standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. And so Haman came in. You imagine Haman coming in. I just wish I could see the look on his face in this scene. Haman came in, and the king said to him, What should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And Haman said to himself, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, for the the man whom the king delights to honor, let let royal robes be brought, which the king has worn, and, and the horse that the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown is set, and let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials, and let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor, and let them lead him on the horse throughout the square of the city, proclaiming before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave nothing out that you have mentioned. That's my favorite line. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to whom the man to the man whom the king delights to honor. This is interesting, as we'll see in a moment. Interesting because the king understands that he has already ordered the destruction of the Jews. And he understands that this Jew has just saved his life. And perhaps it is even with some regret that the king thinks, well, 
Even if Mordecai the Jew must perish, let him be honored for what he did do, even if he must go. See, the king's heart begins to turn decisively. And the ground is prepared so that when Esther makes her request, it doesn't fall on hard soil, but on soft soil. He's not pushing back about the amount of money or how am I going to reverse the decree or why didn't you tell me you were Jewish? But he will go into that meeting later that day thinking a Jew saved my life and wait a minute, my own wife is one of them. This is what turns the entire story. And it's funny. It turns so decisively here that even the pagan people who don't believe in God at all see the turn happening. Verse 12, then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, (laughs) I'm sorry, mourning and with his head covered. And Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Listen to this. Then his wise man and his wife Zeresh said to him, if Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but surely fall before him. I mean, those are some friends, right? Like they're the people who are like, build the gallows, yeah! And then he comes home, they're like, oh man, you're dead. (laughs) You are dead, man. And listen to this. This is, the book of Esther is just masterfully put together. Verse 14, while they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. See, what's going on in this is the quiet but powerful hand of the Lord moving pieces around the board to result in the salvation of his people. God intervenes in a way that only he could, as we've covered before, not through thunder and lightning and plagues like the book of Exodus, but rather in Esther, we find a quiet, subtle, almost impossible to detect providence that points to the exact same thing. Sometimes God works through thunder and lightning and voices from the air, and sometimes he works quietly with his providence. See, God has turned the story. Nothing can stop it now. Now, there's two implications of this that I don't want us to miss. The book of Esther reveals the kind of God that we have, a God that intervenes to turn the story where we could not. And this God, this action is really the heart of the whole Bible. See, God turns the story of the whole world. In a sense, the Old and New Testament are built like a triangle to point to one decisive turn in the middle of history. See, the story of the Bible is the story of all humanity, where in the beginning, God created everything good, but humanity chose rebellion and sin against God. And we had no way to get our relationship with God right. We came under God's just judgment. But the story begins to turn on God's action. Rather than than abandoning the world, God launches a plan to save the world. See, we often read the Bible like we are the heroes. We're looking for ourselves in the pages of Scripture, and certainly there are people to imitate, but the Bible shows us that even the heroes of old are flawed and broken people, and instead, it is God who decisively turns 
circumstances again and again for the preservation and protection of his people. And that's not all that God did. God launched this plan through his people, through the Israelites to save the world. And think about what even the book of Esther reveals about who God is. It reveals that even after his people's sin, God did not abandon them, but had mercy on them, even when they were in exile. It reveals that even when God's people were far from their homeland, God, not a Persian king, was the one who's ultimately in charge of their fate. Isaiah 59, one says, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Meaning that there's no place, no circumstance that God's hand goes, you know what? Oh, I I just missed it. I can't help you. No, his arm is not too short to save. This reveals that even after God's people broke their promises to him, God will not break his promises to his people. And this ultimately is why God intervenes to save Esther and her people, not because of their commitment to him, which they had already failed at, but instead because of his commitment to them. And this book of Esther points forward to a greater reversal on which the history of the world would turn. The reversal began when God sent Jesus, his son, but instead of embracing his son, humanity crucified him and killed him. And the story looked dark and hope seemed lost, but the turn was coming, friends, and the turn came on the third day. And as we sung this morning, up from the grave, he rose again. And it was all revealed that the Son of God had been sent to die and rise again, that the evil of crucifixion and false trials was actually used by God to turn the whole story on its head. The turn of all history was that Jesus died in the place of his people to keep his promises that Jesus died to take the justice that we deserved on himself so that if we believe in him, we could have new life. And from there, friends, everything in the New Testament begins working backwards. We get this picture of new life coming to people in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, this new kingdom of Jesus breaking forth into the hearts of people around the world, people going from death to life. And this reversal, friends, will continue and continue and grow until one day Jesus will once again split the sky and all will be renewed and death itself would be reversed. And that on the turn of the cross and resurrection of Jesus, the story will change for all eternity. This is what Esther is pointing to. The God of brilliant, unseen reversals, doing things that only he could do for the salvation and preservation of his people. And this is not just worldwide. This is our story. The book of Esther should be personal for us. If you're a Christian, the story of Esther is, in a sense, your story, because your story turns on the sovereign grace of God. Your life as a Christian is not a story of how, well, Ricky was a pretty great guy, and he had some flaws, but God gave him some help, and he turned his life around. That's not the story of your Christian life. Ephesians 2 tells us our story. It says this, and you were dead. 
in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's where we were when our story started. R.C. Sproul likes to say, you know what? Salvation is not God throwing us a life preserver and we have to like grab the life preserver and hold on and he'll reel us to safety. No, our condition according to Ephesians chapter two is that we are stone cold dead at the bottom of the ocean. And it doesn't matter how many life preservers God throws our way, we're still dead. And yet, the verse continues, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, turned the story around. He made us alive together with Christ. And then Paul can't even constrain himself. He just launches out in this, by grace you have been saved. God made us alive. God found us stone cold dead at the bottom of the ocean and he breathed life back into our lungs and he brought us to himself. And Paul continues, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. Even the faith by which you are saved is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Friends, this is amazing. This reversal is impossible. Dead man can't have faith, so God says, you know what? Okay, so I will help you even there. See, our stories as Christians turn on the amazing, sovereign grace of God. And for you, it may have been powerful. It may have been like some dream, or God may have spoken to you, or whatever, or it may have been the slow and quiet providence of growing up in church, and one day after hearing verse after verse about the sovereign grace of God, he made you alive. 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon has a quote that I'll paraphrase, but he was looking at the dilemma of whether, is it God that's decisive in salvation or is it me? And so he goes down this rabbit trail of, well, how did I come to Jesus? Well, I came to Jesus because I prayed to receive Christ. Well, how did I come to pray to do that? Well, I found my heart warmed to the Lord. I wanted to believe in Christ. Well, how did that come to be? Well, you know what? A minute earlier, I didn't want to believe in Christ. And then a minute later, my heart was warmed and I wanted to believe in Christ. And so at that moment, what was going on? And he realized at the very bottom of his salvation, the turn was all the sovereign grace of God. Even his faith, even when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive. He definitively turned your story. Here's the good news. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're not sure where you are with the Lord, you may well be in a situation where you think, I can't turn my story. I believe there's some folks here today that you have tried to make turns in your story at different points in your life. Maybe it's you've gotten married or you have a child now and you're thinking, okay, I got to get my life back together. I have to, to get back on the right track. And maybe you've even tried before. Maybe you grew up going to church or to mass or to something else and you're thinking, okay, now I want to turn my story. You may even be here at church thinking, okay, I want to get the tools so that I can turn the story to be a better story. Friend, this is what the Bible is saying. This is what the book of Esther is saying. You can't turn your story by yourself. 
And that should make you despair, if not for the promise that God himself offers to turn your story. He offers to do what you cannot do. And if in this moment you find your heart, like Spurgeon, strangely warmed and desiring to come to the Lord, understand that that is a gift. As a gift. And today, friend, your story could turn. I was... 11 or 12 in that classroom when I had grown up hearing the same stuff about Jesus year after year after year as a kid. And one day, I don't know why, I got it. Because here's the thing. I grew up thinking I was a good kid. The other kids in my class were the bad kids. And they were. And some of them are still here. Uh, I was... A good kid. I wasn't going to be a bad kid like those kids. And coming to church was when you got rewarded for being a good kid. Until one day in that classroom, I got this. I am not a good kid. Because I'm proud and arrogant and a jerk. And I found my heart strangely warmed when I realized that God could still love proud arrogant jerks too. Friend, if you hear the voice of the Lord here, let me encourage you with Hebrews, do not harden your heart. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and find your story turned today. And Christians, for all of us, the effect of this text and the effect of the shape of the Bible should be a humbled love for God and a humble confidence in his work. A humbled love for God, realizing, you know what? I don't have anything to boast in. I don't have any leg to stand on. I don't have anything that I can get up here and go, you people in the world are bad, and I'm good up here. No! How came you to pray? Only the sovereign grace of God. How did the story of the whole world turn on its head? Not your doing, but Jesus' doing. Friends, let us be the most humbled and happy people in the world when we consider our salvation. There is no excuse for arrogant Christianity. There is no excuse for proud Christianity. We think of ourselves as the heroes. Friend, that's pride. You know who the hero is? The hero is at the middle of the triangle in the book of Esther and the the middle of the triangle and the story of the world and the middle of the triangle in your life. It is the sovereign grace of God that humbles us. But it also makes us the happiest and most confident people in the world. Because if that guy could go down to the bottom of the ocean and breathe life into our lungs and raise us to new life, what have we to worry about? Will he let us go now? What shall separate us from the love of God? Hardship or toil or danger? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Because of the great love with which he loved us. Let us be humble people and confident people when we consider the turn of God's story. One last closing encouragement here. You may be in the middle of a story where it's not salvation that's at stake, but you're a Christian. Your story continues to be difficult. You're grateful for God's salvation, and yet you're wondering, when's the turn in this part of my life finally going to come? Maybe you're suffering today, and you're thinking, when is the turn coming? When am I finally going to get healed? When is my dad or my mom or my brother or sister or aunt or grandparent going to stop being sick anymore? 
The answer is this, I don't know. But I do know from scripture, I can say this, your story will turn. It may well be that in this life, God will heal you. Friends, the book of Esther reminds us that God can do more than we ask or think. So we should pray. We should ask for more. What we do know is this, that when you look at your life from the perspective of eternity, your story will turn. And 2 Corinthians 4, 17 is true, that our light and momentary troubles are working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. Do not look back with regret on your life when you see the eternal weight of glory that the reversal will bring. So while you wait for the reversal, have hope and confidence in God. You may be receiving unjust treatment from other people. It may be in your family or your work or even from culture, but God can arise and defend you as he does in many stories throughout the Bible, as he does even in the book of Esther when it seems enemies are opposing you. That same God is at work today and he can bring about that reversal. But friend, I know this with confidence. From the perspective of eternity, the reversal will come and evil will not triumph, and injustice will not be allowed to fester, but God will wipe it all away along with the tears from your eyes and raise you up. You may be seeking to reach somebody for Christ for years. You may be seeking to reach a group for Christ for years. Maybe you're growing discouraged. Maybe you're thinking their hearts are too hard. That person will not come to Christ. They cannot come to Christ. But friend, Paul the apostle persecuted Christians, jailed them and killed them. But one day when he was dead, God made him alive by knocking him literally off his horse and speaking to him, speaking faith into him. That means no situation that you're praying for or yearning for is hopeless. That hard heart can melt under the sovereign grace of God. So what do we do? So what I want to leave you with, friends, in light of all this, and I understand this has been a little less application-oriented than some of the messages usually are and a lot more thought-oriented, but I think... I think it's important for us to have our thoughts oriented because we drift naturally to thinking one of, two, one of two lies. One is, I have to be the decisive person in my story or nothing can change. And I've tried, so it's hopeless. That's not true. God can bring a reversal that we cannot. But it also guards us from the second problem, which is thinking, I'm the one that's gonna change my story. I'm gonna turn myself around. Should we do things that God is calling us to do? Yes, but we have to place ourselves under the sovereign grace of God. And so the two applications are this. First, do what you can do, but second, ask God to do what only he can do. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. listening today to Pastor Ricky Alcantar's series, God of Chance. If you've been encouraged by what you heard today on Better News Radio, we'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call at 915-562-7100. And also, let us know how we can be praying for you. That phone number again is 915-562-7100. Or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. 
You're also invited to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again or peruse our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. While you're at our website, be sure to check out Pastor Ron's introduction video telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Pastor Ricky has also created a book that's available for free that shares some incredible better news for life. In it, Pastor Ricky shares his own story and answers questions that many have about what living as a Christian truly means. Download the Better News book for free and share with your friends and family. You'll find it at betternewsradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. We pray that you'll continue to look for God's hand in your life every day and rely on Him to guide your steps with love and grace. Know that we're praying for you frequently. Thanks for tuning in today. And be sure to join us again for more from God's Word right here on Better News Radio.